As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You don't be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do the little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personal Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How are we doing? Jordan, we've reached as far as you can go. I was hoping you would season. say super. Super. I'm super. <laughs> it's the little things. It's a low yes. bar for me in terms of <laughs> in terms of the joke. Yes. Um it is super, isn't it? I mean, this is uh, where you want to get to in just a few days. The eyes not only of Los Angeles, the eyes not only of the NFL world, but the eyes of the entire world, in many cases, will be on Inglewood, SoFi Stadium. Jordan will be there covering the Super Bowl as the Rams take on the Bengals. Uh, Jordan, before we start, really enjoyed the live experience that we did on Friday. Oh my goodness. Wasn't that fun? That was so good. I, again, at risk of sounding and being the corny person as usual, it was so good to hear you guys' voices. It, Cause usually we're just talking at you, right? So getting to include you guys in the conversation was so wonderful. Um, and we, we also got good backpats from our producers and our content team because they just loved how engaged you all were. And, um, just what a good time we had. So we are going to be moving forward on those. We'll have more of those coming. So make sure you guys are, are staying tuned on that. And remember, subscribers can come on stage with us, quote unquote, and yeah. um, and ask questions and, and sort of have that dialogue with us. And we, we had such a great dialogue and some great questions that were asked. And we don't just talk at you the entire time. It, it felt a little bit more like this great community that we are a part of that we just are so thankful for. Yeah, it was awesome, Jordan. And and it, uh, it's available on the podcast if people haven't uh, seen it or maybe you don't get the uh, subscribe on on Apple or whatever it may be. Uh, you can listen to it uh, now. It's a bonus episode. But yeah, Jordan, it was funny. I Before we started doing it, they kind of said, oh, you know, if there's a lull, if you don't get questions, you know, you can talk among yourselves among the two of you. <laughs> wow. As soon as we started, there were like eight or 10 questions in there and they never stopped. So that was amazing. I know. I, I, felt, I felt kind of bad. Like people were like waiting in line. I was like, I know. Sorry. I know. Well, next 
next time we'll have to carve out more time or yeah. what it really was so much fun so thank you for everybody who uh, asked a question there or even uh, listened participated in that whole thing we'll we'll be doing it again uh real soon i'm sure uh jordan Wow, we're recording here on Monday morning, which means we're less than a week away from the Super Bowl. Uh, we found out the important things, which is what jerseys the teams will be wearing. And uh, the Bengals will be in their black and uh, white and the Rams uh, somehow were able to wear their uh, white modern throwbacks, which uh, technically, as I understand it, not part of the NFL rules. But um, but I guess uh, maybe building a five billion dollar stadium um, gives you some uh, some room to work with there. Um, but, you know, Jordan, so can you kind of set the table for for where things are and how this week is going to go for the Rams? Obviously, a pretty unusual situation in that uh, they're going to be at their home stadium and uh, they have the ability to have some creature comforts in terms of how this week is going to go, uh, but not entirely and not entirely of their own programming. So how's how's this going to go for them and, and where all are you going to be following them uh, th throughout this week? Yes. Yeah, so this is going to be really fun, really, really crazy. I think that the Rams, one of their big things is they're happy to be able to um, not change their daily routine so much. They're staying in Thousand Oaks and they had a special exemption from the NFL. The Bengals had one too, to arrive a day early to get out of the, some of the winter weather they're having in Cincinnati. Um, so they'll be at their site a day early this week. They arrive tomorrow, which is Tuesday. We're recording on uh, bright and early on Monday morning. Um, and the Rams are staying in Thousand Oaks at their facilities in, at Kalu. And so most of the actual availabilities are virtual. So the NFL basically sets up these blocks of time, and this is what they've done since COVID. There's no sort of illustrious star-studded media night like there used to be. Um, now it's set up in a series of Zoom rooms and it's all in one block. So certain players are assigned on different days. The Rams start this afternoon. Cincinnati had one earlier this morning. They've got another one tomorrow morning. The Rams are usually going to be around the early afternoon time. And I'm covering all of those. My fabulous colleague, uh, Daniel Popper, who covers the Chargers, He's also running support on the Rams beat this week, which is going to be awesome. Rich uh, has also worked with Daniel quite a bit. He does a great job covering the Chargers. And so you guys make sure you're following him on Twitter at dpopper. At, and then he's also going to be um, doing notebooks and coverage. He's got a great piece on the state of football in, in Los Angeles coming here in this week. So make sure you guys are giving him a follow and checking out his work. Um, so we're going to be covering this. Uh, all of basically all of the rooms, all the availabilities. So we're going to be splitting up to make sure we get to everybody and everything that's going to go on throughout the week. I'm going to be in downtown Los Angeles. Um, you know, there are a couple of media hotels set up and then there's also a big workspace area um, at the convention center away from sort of the NFL live uh, and, and NFL experience stuff, which I heard is really cool. So go check that out. If you're vaccinated and boosted, um, there's COVID stuff on site as well. And you get a discount, my favorite thing in the world. Um, if you do, uh, follow the proper protocol. So, and if you take public transportation, you also get a discount, which is my favorite wow. thing in the world. So, um, th that I heard is really cool. And then radio row and the media center are set up. So I'll be posted up there for most of the mornings and then doing the, um, availabilities in the afternoons, and then expect to have multiple pieces of daily coverage from us over the athletic awesome. multiple updates on all platforms. Uh, our social team is out there. The athletic football show has a spot on uh, radio row. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing a spot with them. Um, a producer of this podcast can actually better direct me on that <laughs> and everything. There's so many moving parts, but in terms of the Rams, this craziness is not going to 
so much touch them, I guess, because they are sort of in that bubble. If you've ever been up near their facilities in Thousand Oaks, it is very tucked away. It's on a private campus. Um, it's up in these like kind of rolling hill hills. Um, it's very humble. It, it's, uh, you know, two, three emerald green fields carved out of that landscape up there um, and a couple of buildings. And they're basically trying to keep things as normal as possible. And it's a good atmosphere in which to do that. Um, it's, you know, they, they're, they're practicing on natural grass, which a couple of Rams officials were telling me is so important right now because everybody's trying to get as healthy as possible. Um, so that's one big reason to not be at SoFi. Another reason is it's the surface that both teams are playing. So it would be sort of an unfair advantage to have one team practice at SoFi and the other not. Um, so the Bengals are practicing at, uh, what I think UCLA, right? Right, Rich. I think they're at UCLA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and so then at the end of the week, there will be one in-person block of media availabilities. Um, the Rams will be at Cal Lutheran and the Bengals will be at UCLA. And that will be the in-person time uh, that they will do interviews. And then uh, obviously on Sunday, that's the big show. So the teams will get bussed in separately to SoFi. They'll do their try to do their normal walkthroughs. Um, the stadium has been done up now to have all of the decals and look as neutral as possible for it being a Rams stadium. Um, Lindsay Jones and I did a piece about some of those logistics over the athletic, if you want to take a look at that. Um, but I think one of the big things, again, it's like you go to the same place you've been going to every day, and then you go to your home. And that I think is a big difference that the Rams are hoping does make a difference for them since the last time around when they were sort of going in blind to a Super Bowl experience. Right. Now they kind of know what to expect and, and what to be prepared for in terms of simply straight up logistics. Yeah. And there's just some, yeah, it, it, important distinction there. And I mean, the, the story that you and Lindsay did was, was very interesting and, and touched on a lot of questions that people have about how this experience goes. But in, in general, I think the, the way to remember it is that the Rams are, are hosting this Super Bowl in, in the global sense, but, but they are not the home team. Um, they are, yes, they are getting certain creature comforts in the fact that they can practice at their own facility. As Jordan just talked about, they are going to get their home locker room because in part, because uh, SoFi has two NFL home rooms. So it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, they'll be on their home sideline. Uh, things like that obviously are more uh, geared toward the Rams just by, by, um, just the way things go. Uh, but things like, uh, as Jordan said, the signage in the stadium, if you see anything now, it's not going to be ducked out in blue and yellow. It's it's going to be like red and blue, I think, is kind of the Super Bowl. It's uh, like very uh, like Malibu kind of like it's kind of interest. It's very interesting. It's like sunset. Yeah. They kind of played off like a sunset and yes. the orange and the blues of both logos. And okay, it's very nice. It's very yeah. like a Malibu, like, right. uh, you know, right. hey, I'm watching the sunset, sipping a cocktail kind of <laughs> situation got my shoes off got my yeah. shoes yeah. off yeah <laughs> so it's it's very cool i like it it's it's good yeah so um i i enjoyed the, the some of the visuals that have come out of the of, of sofi stadium when they're getting it ready just it looks absolutely gorgeous i mean it's everything that they that they hoped it would be um but there won't be for instance if people ask even about the pa announcer and no that that's a neutral person i believe it's the minnesota vikings uh, announcer who who generally does it so no you're not going to hear the, the sam the usual rams announcer pumping up the crowd or anything 
something like that. That's just not uh, not how it works with that sort of thing. So so yeah, there there are some kind of uh, you know like Jordan said, creature comforts. You don't have to be in a hotel for a week. And I mean that's anybody who who travels for a living for work or even does a lot of you know casual travel knows that that can wear on you a little bit. Uh, just you know oh living out of a hotel for a week. Uh, obviously you're going to the Super Bowl. You'll you'll deal with it if you have to. You'll be excited to do it. But uh, you know if you can be with your family, you can eat home cooked meals. You can you know do whatever you see your kids. Uh, it, there's there's things like that 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 bring some comfort rather than oh I'm going to be you know living out of a suitcase for for eight days or, or whatever it may be. So um, great you know good advantage for the Rams there, uh, but not 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 a home game in the in the strictest um, sense of the word. So Jordan, a, a lot of moving parts here, but um, can we maybe walk through? over the next week, what we're going to be looking for maybe with some of these injured guys too. And, uh, you know, that the injury reports will continue to come out. I think maybe there was a little bit of confusion, although you did your best <laughs> to clear it up when uh, Friday's, I believe it was Friday's injury report came out and it did have game designations, but of course there was no game. Um, so can you, uh, and again, with the caveat here that a lot is going to change over the next five or six days here, but where do you think the Rams are with some of these guys who seem to be kind of on the fence of, of whether or not they might be available. There's all, there also was a sentence that said, this is not a Super Bowl designation on the injury report that requires a reading comprehension. (laughs) So yeah, it's a little difficult. Some of those, some of those big sites, I was like, Oh guys, no, no. Oh, it's like the, the Eric Weddle. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Whoop. Would have been a great audio to have. The, I mean, uh, we need to clip that out and, and use that as a sting. Kent, uh, we, yeah, we're just yeah, adding to your yeah. list here, Kent. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and one thing I'll note too, in terms of the, these injuries, um, the last open practice for the Rams for local reporters was Saturday. Um, the way that this works every year, it, it, not only for fairness, uh, but also for a lack of uh, having hundreds of people standing on practice sidelines and, yeah. and tweeting God knows what, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's going to be a pool reporter. Um, so basically a national reporter is selected by the pro football writers association and the NFL. And it's never, well, it, it, it it should never be a local person. And uh, this year they're making sure that it's someone who is coming in on a national scale and they do, they basically take attendance. There's, there's only ever going to be a limited portion of practice available regardless, but they take attendance and then they provide the group, whoever the group who is, uh, has signed up for reports on that team with what those observations were and what they saw. So we will be matching injury reports with that versus being on the ground ourselves and, and covering sort of what the ins and outs are. And so the guys that I'm really the only guys that I'm actually legitimately concerned about and think that their status is up in the air for Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. Um, are Tyler Higby and Joan Oakboom. Um, Joan Oakboom was working out on the side with an athletic trainer throughout the week. Um, that's a, a pec chest injury. Uh, you don't want to mess around with those, uh, but obviously this is the big one. And if he can be available depth for them or be play in that extra tackle set, if they need him to, this is one of those situations where if you think you can go, you go. Um, and then with Tyler Higby, I'd probably say Tyler, I mean, Tyler's played through so many different things that we don't even know about half yeah. the time. Um, he's very Stafford-esque in that regard. And he, uh, he has a sprained MCL and that's something that I assume he is going to try to fight his way through, but 
you know, if he, if he can't play on it, if it's a better benefit to the team to have um, Kendall Blanton taking that role again um, with Bryson Hopkins in the support role than it is for a sort of hobbled Tyler Higby, considering some of their concepts and the way that some of their setups work and some of their blocking patterns and all of that, then, you know, that's something to really consider. Now, Tyler Higby is day to day. He will probably remain day to day right up until the last minute uh, in which you can possibly rule him in or out of the game. That could be as late as 90 minutes before kickoff, but we just don't know. He also so far is not on the list of players who are scheduled to talk to the media um, through this week. Kendall Blanton is. Um, so again, the Rams are trying to, yes, they're trying to get him back, but they're also trying to keep his status one way or the other as quiet as possible because a, they probably don't know themselves just yet. And B, um, they are, are, you know, there's some gamesmanship that comes with, I mean, Tyler Higby's one of their featured players, right? There's some gamesmanship that, that comes with that, but I will say too, I do credit Tyler or Kendall Blanton for stepping up big time in big oh games. My gosh. Yeah. You can't really replace Tyler Higby this late in the season, but Kendall Blanton has done a really admirable job. But um, those are the two main ones I'm looking at. Not worried about Jalen Ramsey, not worried about Whitworth, not even worried about Cam Akers, who is scheduled to talk to media through the week. All these players are. That's usually a good sign. Um, right. And not super not worried about those guys. Uh, I got some emails about uh, Matt Gay and, you know, some of the weird misses. And I, I got to tell you guys, I think he just missed kicks. Like, I, yeah. I watch him through the entirety of pregame warmups and he's hitting kicks from 45, 55 yards out just fine. Um, there's right. no hitch in his giddy up as Sean McVay likes to say, he's not on the right. injury report. He's not been listed in any sort of questionable status at any right. point in time, right. um, which even if they're trying to hide an injury, they would still be required to do or lose more or lose draft picks, which are already few and far between by NFL policy. And also right. Matt Gay himself has told me he's good to go and is not dealing with an injury. Sean McVay himself has told me that he's good to go and is not dealing with an injury that combined with the evidence I've seen in my own eyes just tells me, yes, Matt Gay went on a great streak this year, had a great season, Pro Bowl kicker. Also, though, by nature, by body of evidence of his entire career, he is just he's just going to miss some kicks. Right. It's just going to happen. And I think that's kind of more more so what we've seen uh, versus anything I think of of crazy concern. Yeah, that's Look, I mean, that's there's there's a reason why kickers are are so mercurial and then go in and out and get cut. And that's, you know, it's the reason why Matt Gay is with the Rams right now is because there were there were some issues like that um, in, in Tampa Bay. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything to, to worry about there. And I even noticed that uh, Taylor Rapp was able to come back and participate in a full practice, which is a, a, a good sign for him over on the Bengals side. It looks like they're in they're in pretty good shape. Um, the Trey Hendrickson. um Looked like he was out with an illness uh, early in the week, but he's back. And look, I think he had gotten hurt at the end of that Kansas City game, but apparently it wasn't anything uh, that was going to keep him out. And then CJ Zoma, I'm not sure what's going on there. He looked like he had a pretty bad knee injury um, in that game, and he did not practice all week. But they listed him as questionable for the yep. game. So and he said today uh, he's going to play. He told there you go. Yeah, the Bengals had their availability already this morning, and he said there's no way he's not playing. Which I would say too, you know. I would assume Tyler Higby would say the same thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, you just don't know, I think until late in the week here. Yeah. And, and as you said, Jordan, this is just one of those things where like you are, if, if you're able to stand and walk, uh, you're, you're going to try to get yourself out there on the field. And then that's where you really feel for some of these guys who can't, 
go like a, you know, Robert Woods for the, for the Rams or any one of these guys, Jordan Fuller, you know, they don't, they don't have that chance. And that's, it's gotta be devastating for them to, to watch this and support their teammates and, and not be able to go. So yeah, if, if you're one of these guys, then, oh my goodness, you're going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And I think too, that applies to guys like Sebastian Joseph Day, Robert Rochelle, Daryl Henderson, they all were able to practice. Taylor Rapp was able to practice. That was a great sign. He had his first full practice last week, which is the last step in the concussion protocol before clearance by an independent evaluator. Um, So should get some news on him this week, barring any sort of setback. And and you're you're obviously on a human level, really hopeful that um, it's good news for him and there's no longer term effects and that he's doing okay. Uh, and, and then, you know, Sebastian Joseph day, he practiced, uh, multiple days in a row with teammates. Robert Rochelle was able to practice multiple days in a row. Daryl Henderson practiced multiple days in a row. These are all guys who are in the 21 day elevation window. They haven't been activated to the actual roster yet. So, uh, you won't know until later in the week and they won't show up on injury reports until later in the week. If they are not activated on the official roster, this is something the Rams could do early, or they could decide to wait until very, very late in the week, um, to officially activate whichever of these players, one, two, or all three that they would decide to activate. I would say that regardless of that status, um, I would not expect a hugely invested role um, based off of the nature of some of their injuries and also some of the guys playing who are uh, playing so very well. Greg Gaines comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some heavier pa- heavier run defense packages would be good with Sebastian Joseph Day. Ashawn Robinson's playing so well right now. So you, you almost you don't you want to have these guys back, but you also want to do that without messing with the calculus of what's really working for you right, right now. Yeah, that great, great point. I mean, trying to, you, you don't want to make too many, you, you, what what got you here, the guys who are on the field and, and yeah, you, there's a kind of a yeah, risk reward maybe in terms of bringing some of those guys back. You don't know, they haven't been on the field for a while. Some of them, you don't know how they're going to fit in exactly. Um, so yeah, it's a, that's a tough one. That That's a, that's a big coaching uh, decision that has to be made there on some of those guys. Is it worth it to bring them back? Um, and, and is it going to, bear fruit on the field. So yeah, fascinating track course. Jordan will be all over that uh, during the week. So you can, you can follow along with her on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez. And of course, as she said on uh, the athletic app and website, there's just going to be a flood of content from, from her and Daniel and all of our awesome people. So really looking forward to that. Um, Jordan, I'm I'm curious about Von Miller um, because this is a guy who I, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, you know, him coming in along with Odell Beckham jr. But are, are we kind of seeing, the full impact of Von Miller. And I'm just not talking about on the field because we've seen some of that. Um, But it's just been interesting listening to him when he does have these availabilities. And he's so good with you guys, you know, just in in what he shares. What do you think the Rams are going to learn from somebody like this? Um, They have a few guys who have been to the Super Bowl, as we said. Uh, But Von Miller has been to the top. You know, he's, he's won it, MVP. Um, he seems to be bringing this kind of energy or this focus maybe even to the Rams. And I'm wondering if there's a way to quantify that or, or maybe just uh, put into words what that means for, for a team like this. Yeah, I mean, he's he's very vocal, right? And the Rams do have vocal leaders on defense, but he not only is very vocal, he also has won a Super Bowl and been a Super Bowl MVP. And it's sort of, you know, all of these elite players, there's always like 
uh, legends or lore about them in, in locker rooms around the league. Like Aaron Donald's got a bunch, Jalen's got a bunch, Cooper, you know, all of these guys have a bunch of different like stories that are just sort of thrown around locker rooms as, as guys just talk about who's in the league and all this stuff. And one thing you always heard about Von Miller is this sort of essence of like playoff Von, right? You right. sort of heard about how he clicks into this different gear. He knows how to be here. It's a emotional muscle memory. It's a physical muscle memory. Um, just something about that extra level that he has the capacity of finding. It's something that was cha- has been chattered about in the league for a while. And now the Rams are seeing it happen in real time. And I think there's something, uh, energizing and and magnetic about that. First of all, I think there's something, um, you know, Oh, this, this it's like you have Aaron Donald on your roster, but then also you're here's this new guy who we talk about, who we've talked about all the time and like, Oh, he's walking among us kind of a thing. Right. 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 And, and I think it's, that's one part of it. I think that that's such an energizing force um, because he's also really interested in how they do things and he's interested in how all of it works. So I think it's been really energizing from a coaching perspective. I think having him has been really energizing from a teammate perspective because he's a good foil. Like there's a lot of, uh, secure guys. We talked about this a lot, a lot of secure guys, a lot of positive guys. Um, there's emotional guys. There are guys who prefer to keep to themselves and I think his particular personality, it's not just that he's an extrovert. It's not just that he's enthusiastic right. and positive. It's it's that he sort of is able to be a good foil for all and a balancing factor for all of the blend of personalities that these guys have on their defense mm-hmm. from the stars all the way down to the guys who, who contribute mostly on special teams, particularly on that side. And I think that is... Um, it's something that's really underrated. It's hard to quantify. You certainly, certainly were not, you know, I was talking to a Rams executive last week and it was like, you know, we thought that when we traded for Von Miller, we were going to try to get playoff Vaughn. And this was this, this part mattered, the production mattered. And this is what we were expecting rushing for and being able to be versatile and that kind of thing. But this part of it, the, the part where there's this sort of ripple of balance that's permeating through the, the room, that part has been what I think has blown these guys away. And it's one of the big reasons why they do want to return him um, in the future, even after this. And I think when you see it affect someone who is as great of a player as Aaron Donald, um, when you see the profound impact that Vaughn has had on Aaron, um, like they kind of are glued to each other's hip in terms of they're, uh, they're both obsessed with winning the Super Bowl. And Vaughn, it's kind of like, he really, really wants to win this other Super Bowl, but the second he met Aaron Donald, he also wanted to win one for Aaron Donald. And that's that's reflective in the entire building, but also Vaughn knows how to do it. So right. he he went in there and he's sitting next to Aaron on all the plane rides. And and you know, he, he's not gonna sit there and criticize Aaron. And and again, Aaron, Aaron Donald's the greatest football player on the planet right now. Like, right. you know, there's not much to criticize, right? But what he did say is he sees the way that guys gravitate and sort of just are wholly attuned to whatever Aaron is doing and they see him, but they didn't really hear him. And something about that galvanizing speech that Vaughn calls it like that rah, rah moment that he said, I don't know why it works in football, but it works. And so he, he told Aaron, you know, guys are ready to play for you. They're ready to like lay their necks on the line for you. You, you just need to ask them to, And it's, it's interesting. And I wrote about it in my piece that's up this morning at the athletic, like Aaron Donald doesn't need any extra motivation, but 
the having someone sitting there next to him, telling him literally what it feels like to hold that trophy and what it feels like to have your life change in that way. Aaron Donald wants that. It's the only thing he has said he has left in his career to accomplish. And so you, you, you almost have Vaughn is like that physical manifestation of what that would mean. Right. Cause he, his life has changed in that way. And he also right. wants it cause he knows what it's like to go for a long time without one and how few the opportunities are to go back and get one. And then you blend that with the motivation to um, bring everybody up along with you. Um, and I kind of put it like this in my piece. It's like, it's almost kind of, and I kind of feel it from just watching practice every day. The first day I went out to Rams practice, I watched Aaron Donald work and I was like, there, this is, this guy is an alien. Like he's not from earth, you know, like right. he, yeah. <laughs> this is insane. I'm panning my, my iPhone camera and my hand is not moving fast enough to keep up with the way that he's moving through the drills. And you think to yourself, this is not possible, you know, week after week, after week, after week, after week of that same level of established greatness. And you sit there and you're like, oh yeah, Aaron Donald's doing the Aaron Donald thing again. And you run out of words and you just sit there and you're like, yeah, he's, that's the foundation. His foundation is through the, it's in the stratosphere. It's a foundation of greatness, Mm -hmm. but to get from, to get from great to, I guess, transcendent and historic, this team as a whole doesn't just need that foundation of greatness. They also need a catalyst. They need that shock, that electricity, that moment. Right. And Aaron Donald provided it to him and Von Miller, I think, motivated him to do that. And so I think this is something that's really special. You're seeing um, the sociology of a championship run, not just what they're doing on the field, not just what Aaron Donald can accomplish. You're also seeing, um, again, this Rams team force catalysts into their system in order to try to advance themselves forward. Yeah, it's super interesting, Jordan. First of all, the first thought that came to my mind was Aaron Donald being 30 years old and being able to say that he only has one thing left to check off on his resume. And he's absolutely correct. I mean, how astounding. I mean, if if and, and this is not a prediction nor a jinx, but I mean, if he wins the Super Bowl on Sunday um, and he retires, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, and how many people could say that at 30 years old? That's extraordinary. And just a, a complete credit to what Aaron has been um, to see that come out of him. You know, people I know you've been able to spend some time around Aaron, probably not as much as you would like because the locker rooms haven't been open. But this is a guy who it's a cliche to say he's a blue collar guy. But you you look you spend time around him and you see the way that he works and you see the way that he acts. He's not somebody who naturally brings a lot of attention to himself. And you might not see that when you w- watch the way he plays. You might think, oh, my gosh, this is just a guy who's, you know, who's bigger than life or uh, he's he's really not. He's not naturally somebody who brings a lot of attention to himself. And, and I think that carries over maybe even into the locker room sometimes. Yes, he's somebody who is very respected. He's somebody who's very listened to, who is watched carefully by his teammates to see how he conducts himself. Um, but I think for a big part of his career, he has not necessarily been somebody who's going to be the one who grabs you by the face mask and says, hey, we need we need this right now. We need that, that he he does his work uh, 
and and people follow him by based on the way that he does his work. And, and I think this is what Vaughn has kind of helped bring out of him. And I'm not saying it was a deficiency by Aaron, because it certainly was not. Um, but I, but I think Vaughn doing what he does and being who he is, I, I think has helped bring some of that out of, of Aaron. Maybe I think back to three years ago, obviously the Rams made the Super Bowl with with Aaron Donald paired with Indomitian Sue. And that was a great, uh, the great pairing up front. I don't think the Rams got that same thing out of the two of them. And I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to do any of that. But it, they, they were a good pairing on the field and it certainly worked. But I'm not sure that they had that same kind of connection um, that that Aaron seems to be developing with with Vaughn. And maybe it's just guys at different points of their career, age experience, whatever it may be. Uh, but this works. This certainly works. And uh, the last thing I would say is I think it's a credit to both of those guys, because you're, you're talking about two of the biggest alpha males in, in football in terms of what they've accomplished. And they are able to exist in that same space but not crowd each other. I mm-hmm. think they, they are not able they, they uh, aren't, aren't jostling or elbowing to, to be the, the top dog there. They, they are both, it seems to me, at least from a distance, um, comfortable existing together, knowing that they are both alpha dogs, but not having to attack each other to, to prove it. And, and I think that's something that's pretty unique. And, and it's a credit uh, to both of those guys that they are really putting the team first rather than any individual accolades or I'm the guy, you know, I'm the, I'm the, uh, you know, I'm the king here or whatever it may be. I think Aaron is comfortable with, with Vaughn stepping forward in some of those ways and, and taking on that vocal leadership or, you know, being a public face or a public voice. He's not threatened by that in any way. And, and I think that's part of what makes this work too. Yeah. And Vaughn, I mean, and it also helps that both of those players are again, they're playing at such a high level through the postseason. Um, Vaughn Miller is first in pass rush win, win rate through the postseason right now. Aaron Donald's, I think, fourth um, as an interior lineman um, who is double and triple teamed all the time. And so I think that that is reflective, those those numbers and that status, that's, that's reflective also of the way that they complement each other on the field and work off each other on the field. But then also you have like exactly what you said, um, that that sort of, um, I kind of call it like mutualism where both parties are, are benefiting for the positive, even as they need, need each other. Um, and, you know, thanks to my marine biologist sister for uh, introducing me to that, to that term a couple years back. <laughs> um, right. but, but yeah, it's, it's really, it, it's really interesting. And, and I think it's, it's such a great point. And then obviously the pass rush is going to be so important in this game. I don't want to say it's going to come down to, you know, the, the Rams front against the, the Bengals front. Cause we know that Joe Burrow has escapability. We know he can make things happen. We know that they have a quick game. They can do the catch and runs. This is a Sean McVay tree staple. Uh, they can do the little screens and then the flat play and all of that stuff. So it's not, I wouldn't say it will decide the game. Um, I also have a, a piece up and so do our great colleagues, Ted Wynn and Shil Kapadia on how multiple this Bengals defense can be. And that also presents a lot of challenges. So you look at Aaron Donald, you look at Von Miller, you look at their greatness and you think, oh my gosh, you know, the, those poor Bengals linemen, but hmm. you know, this is one of those things. This is the Super Bowl. This is a game where, yeah. um, it's, it's anything, really anything could happen. And I think these teams, um, while in that particular spot, they are not evenly matched. I think that the Bengals do 
certain things well that the Rams don't do well. And in particular, some of that multiplicity on the back end, the drop eight concepts and, and those things they do with the safeties. Um, that's, that's going to be a test for Matthew Stafford and, and the Rams offense. It's going to be a test for Cooper cup. Um, and, and it goes beyond, you know, obviously the pressure you get on the other side, it goes beyond, um, you know, what you're able to do, particularly just up front on, on either side of the ball, whether you're the Rams or the Bengals, there's so many layers, uh, that, that play out in every phase for this team from the offense on either side to the defense on either side, right down to the kicking game. We mentioned yeah. Matt Gay earlier, um, but the Bengals kicker, I mean, he is a Cincinnati superstar. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't miss kicks and, uh, and it changes some of the facets and the elements that you're able to do on special teams, especially in these narrow games, the Rams, obviously, uh, their games coming down to field goals and, and, um, ceiling, ceiling wins in that regard. And, and so, you know, I was talking to someone this morning, Rich, and it's like, there are so many layers to this matchup, but it's also like both teams are kind of awesome. You know, like they, you, you don't, you really don't hate the way that the Bengals were constructed. They're not like the death star, right? right they're they right. like these, these guys who found a way to be resilient and they found a way to, um, put together a team that's completely different from how the Rams put together their team. Right. And both teams are built completely different from sort of what we see as like the norm in the league or like that sort of suffocating standard toward parity that all of these teams try to pull down into that drives me nuts. And, and the NFL doesn't reward outliers. Usually it punishes them. Um, but both of these team builds are outliers, in, in my opinion, and they're in the Super Bowl. And, and I think that that's a great step for the league in, in terms of how people think or need to think about building rosters um, and how there are it's possible to be a good team by doing things differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really important. I think that's that's something very cool if you're not you're probably a fan of the Rams. If you're listening to this podcast, right. if, you, if you just found us and you're not a fan of either team, that's one thing variable of this, of this upcoming matchup that I think is fascinating is that these are two outlier teams in various ways, with different builds in various ways. And here they are. And so what is it with the NFL from everything from, um, you know, hiring your buddies and standards of practice and those kinds of things to, um, to how teams are constructed. I mean, it's, it's, if you rattle the cage a little bit, yeah. you can be successful. And I think you're, you're seeing that, um, with both of these teams. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got the Bengals on the, the young quarterback model, the court, the, the yeah, quarterback like on his rookie contract, Joe Burrow and Joe mm -hmm. Burrow in 10 years. Like, <laughs> although that's probably nobody yell at me. That's probably not accurate, but like, uh -oh. it, you know, it's, it's like both of these really collected, like cool guys right. who don't rattle like that. That's right. what I mean when I'm talking right. about this. Yeah. Darkly chaotic Joe Burrow. Darkly chaotic <laughs> Joe Burrow. <laughs> in a few years, we'll pass that on to our, to our colleagues at the Bengals. They can, they can pick that up in, yeah. a, in a few years. Sorry yeah. about my squeaking chair, by the way, Rich, I'm, I've been oh, sitting in this good. same chair writing for the last four hours. That's okay. I, I just I, realized I, it's squeaking. No, I'll issue my own mea culpa to, to the, the person who kindly gently asked who was clicking the pen last oh, week. Oh yeah. Which was You're probably the pen me. clicker. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes I've been uh, I've been refraining from it, but I often take notes uh, during the podcast just so there's things that that people say or that you say that I want to uh, bring up or whatever. So I've been I've been refraining from doing that. My hands are, are <laughs> pen free uh, this week. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Great contrast in in styles, like you said, Jordan, or, or even just you know some of these uh, matchups. I, I think it's an interesting one. The the, the Bengals. I'm I'm not trying to scare Rams fans or try anything like that. But you know, I, I think if you watch the Bengals during these playoffs, they're a very very resilient team, especially for a team uh, that that is as young as they are in, in some positions. I mean, I. I, I'm sure many of us were sitting watching the AFC championship game early on thinking, oh, well, this is over. There was even at one point where I was at that stage where I'm like, do I sit here and keep watching this or do I flip around and see if there's something else on? And I stuck with it. Um, and the Rams need to be mindful of that, especially because they have had a couple of these games like week 18 against the 49ers and uh, a Tampa Bay game where you, you can't think that you can let off the gas at any point. And I think they probably learned their lesson from that. Uh, but it's, it's something that they still need to be mindful of the way that I've been uh, saying it, Jordan, to, to people who ask or, or different radio shows that I've been doing. I, I think if you if you play this game 50 times. Uh, I think the Rams should win the majority of them. The problem is you're not playing it 50 times. Mm -hmm. You're playing it once. And a lot of things can happen in one game. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've it, seen, as we've seen, <laughs> not unlike, you know, and, and of course, this this did end up coming back in the Rams favor in that in that matchup against the 49ers. People looked at that series and said, oh, my goodness, the 49ers have won six times in a row or whatever it was. But yet the Rams were still favored in the NFC championship game. Why? In part because they were at home and home teams get that benefit of the doubt, as I'm sure the Rams are getting a little bit uh, in the Super Bowl. But you can you can take that out of uh, you can put it in the right context and say, yeah, if, if this is if you look at it purely from a statistical model or things like that, the Rams should be the better team. It doesn't mean they're going to win. It doesn't mean the better team always wins. Uh, and we've seen that time and again in the Super Bowl. So I think there's some matchups here that that favor the Rams. And I, I think the the big matchups very well could go their way and and make a difference. But but Jordan, other than that one you mentioned, I mean, what what are we looking at here? Year. Maybe let's even look at on the other side with the, with the Bengals offense and, and the Rams defense. Um, they, they were able to solve 
some of their issues against the 49ers. Uh, but the 49ers are a very different team than mm-hmm. the Cincinnati Bengals. So it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a carryover in terms of style or results or anything like that. Um, but w- what are you looking for? Maybe even in that that the back end of that Rams defense in terms of how they're going to uh, try to attack the Cincinnati offense. Yeah, well, it's certainly not going to be what we saw in the 49ers game. Again, I don't know how this was really cool and it's not getting talked about and I'm annoyed by it. But like the Rams defense changed their entire defensive scheme uh, to just stop the 49ers and what the 49ers do best, which is run the ball in a variety of ways and get the ball to Debo Samuel. And and even then it took everything they had, but they 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 deconstructed sort of that roof that they keep over the back of their defense, which limits explosive passing plays. It was designed to counter 11 personnel teams. The 49ers were not going to, they were going to try to run the ball all day long against the Rams. Um, The Rams suffocated the run. The Rams dared Jimmy Garoppolo to throw outside the hash marks. Um, He, he completed one long pass against them, but other than that, um, they did a very, very effective job of of stifling um, for the most part that offense and certainly stifled the run game more so than they had accomplished throughout the rest of the year. They did that by dropping Eric Weddle, allowing him to fill gaps, uh, allowing him to sort of, uh, I don't want to say be creative, but certainly trusting the player um, in that regard to fill gaps where needed uh, based on what he saw. Um, They didn't ask their, uh, they, they didn't ask their safeties to maintain that back sort of shell integrity, um, obviously because they were dropping Weddle deep, Um, Nick Scott played incredibly well in, in that regard. And then their corners, their their corners were targeted, but they were more targeted to tackle instead of necessarily to cover. Um, and and so I think that's, you're just going to see differences in some, in many regards, because this Cincinnati team, this is an 11 personnel team. They play a lot of 11 personnel. They can, they've got a really talented receiving core. And this is where I worry about some of the matchups. Darius Williams has not been himself all season. Um, He's made a couple of outstanding plays, but large in a large in a way, he has not looked like Darius Williams from uh, 2020. Um, David Long is not a good matchup, I would say, in terms of length for some of the receiving talent that the Bengals have. Um, Robert Rochelle, if he comes back, is has good length, but he's coming back after missing a ton of time. Jalen Ramsey is going to be a do-it-all player and have to be tasked probably a lot of times with shutting down Jamar Chase. They're going to also try to, to really exploit, I think, these corners um, they're probably going to try to make them tackle on catch and run plays. They're probably going to try to get them in space and see if they can do the Ramsey esque tackling, um, that he does so well. And I think that's a, that's a, a, a concerning matchup in that regard. Um, now again, if the front is getting there quickly and, and also containing burrow when he does try to make plays happen out of deconstructed space, um, out of structure, which he he has been able to do, um, but if they can contain him and stop him from doing that, much like sort of their plan in the wild card against Kyler Murray, um, then I think that this could go one way very quickly. Um, I think part of that key will also be Ernest Jones coming back and being healthier, Traven Howard and, and his ability to move horizontally. Um, 
you know, I don't know what they're going to do with the green dot, the signal caller. Um, again, they're not planning the game. They're relaying signals. Raheem Morris is calling the game, planning the game. Right. Um, but the, the signal call or the signal caller is communicating those calls to the rest of the defense. But that player has to stay on the field for almost the entire game. And when Troy Reader was not in the game, uh, you're basically depending on like Weddle to sort of just freestyle out there, right? And everybody to get into position <laughs> where they need to be, which which worked fine. But at the right. same time, it's a Super Bowl. You're probably not going to do a lot of that in the Super Bowl. So that's a decision they have to make. Ernest Jones, how healthy is he going to be coming off that high ankle sprain? He's on a pitch count last week. Um, so that is definitely something something to watch because I think that he can really smother those flats and some of those catcher run plays. He can get hands in throwing lanes. Um, he can spy a little bit if Joe Burrow does decide to go on the run. He moves so well from sideline to sideline that I think not just the rush, but also Ernest Jones and that immediate second level. Those are the two things that could have the most effect on just how much Cincinnati could try to exploit some of the mismatches they do have at, at, with the Rams corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the green dot thing, and it, this came up for, again for people who didn't um, get a chance to, to join our live room on on uh, Friday. Jordan did a good job of explaining that there, also because we got a question about well, what happens when when uh, uh, Troy Reader is not on the field because he only played eighty five percent of the plays or something like that. Yeah, it's it, it is a little bit of a reminder that the the green dot is is certainly a uh, a great convenience, I guess you could say. It certainly makes things a lot easier as it does on the other side of the ball with the with the coach being able to be in the quarterback's head. But you you can still run <laughs> you can still run a team if if you don't have a, a green dot or if you're you know equipment goes out for some reason even on the offensive side of the ball you can still get plays in uh either by signals or whatever it may be it certainly just makes screaming <laughs> yeah yelling yes yeah um but uh yeah, you don't want that i would say it's probably more it. than an advantage i'd say it's like a necessity at this point but yeah in terms of the player needing to stay if you've got some calls that the other guy can read like weddle weddle knows the calls right so mm-hmm. At that point, you're on signals and then he's relaying that kind of thing. So anyway, I'm not to interrupt you, Rich. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 a great just to, to, to you know, the, the distinction. I don't I don't even remember exactly when that green dot came in on defense. Uh, it's it's a it's a relatively new um, uh, thing. So, yeah, certainly it's it's a huge uh, for for the, the defense to, to be able to have that. But if there are like Jordan said, if there are some situations where uh, they're not they're not there, then uh, they'll, they'll still be fine. So yeah, th- those matchups are, are those, I think those linebackers are going to be really important, uh, you know, in, in whether it's the matchups or just plain tackling when it comes to somebody like Joe Mixon, who's, uh, you know, elusive and can be hard to bring down. So totally, I couldn't agree with you more, Jordan, Jordan, in terms of uh, the ability to extend those plays and, and, you know, how many times have we seen it during the playoffs? I don't even remember who the, who the throw was at this point, but it, it was the one, uh, the, the whistle, the inadvertent whistle where Joe Burrow is basically flying out of bounds and is able to, to throw against his body into the end zone for a touchdown um, that, that the officials blew dead because they thought the play was over, but Joe Burrow was still trying to make it happen. So um, those are the kind of things that uh, you, again, you can't predict, you can't scheme against those sort of things, but, uh, but you need to prevent them uh, from happening because if they can do that and they can, get that kind of momentum, then um, that's where the Rams are going to get themselves in, in a little bit of trouble. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I, you know, whether they can uh, maintain that discipline with the run game also, I mean, there, there could be in an interesting situation here, Jordan, you talk about players coming back 
Um, and we mentioned it on the other side of the ball, but if, if a Daryl Henderson is, is able to play, for instance, um, how does he factor in, you know, is he going to, is he going to be a guy who gets a lot of carries between the tackles in this game? I don't see that happening. Um, is he a guy who you could maybe put out in space and, you know, maybe he makes a play maybe, but you also don't want to get predictable with that, where if you put Daryl Henderson in, then the other, then the Bengals go, aha, we know, we know that guy's not running the ball. So we're either going to, you know, ignore the run or we're going to cover him out in the flat or whatever it may be. But, um, but Jordan, I, I think finding that, that right balance in, in the run game, Cam, Sony, certain situations, early downs, whatever it may be. I, I think what the playoffs have shown us is that when the Rams can do that, um, it, it really elevates the, the whole offense and really elevates Matthew Stafford too. Yeah, the, the Rams need to immediately force the Bengals from going into that some of that defensive multiplicity on the back end. They need to make life easier for Matthew so that he's not seeing so much. He can navigate, you know, obviously he can navigate a defense, but you don't want him to always just have to, right? So you you need to be able to run the ball on early downs early in the game, because that will pull these guys back in, especially if they're in that drop eight coverage that Matthew Stafford is not good against. Um, and, and again, go, if you want the deep statistical dive on that, go and read the piece, my piece over at the athletic. Um, he is about 35% completion rate and a infrequent amount infrequent number of, of drop eight that's been used against him and the Rams this year, all by teams that have beat the Rams um, and, and games that have also featured turnovers as well. So you want to pull them back from that part of the field. You want to pull them in toward the line of scrimmage immediately um, with early down runs, the Rams pass the ball. You'll be shocked to know this, Rich, the Rams pass the ball on early downs uh, 75% in the time, um, which I I agree with actually in terms of right. where the league has moved to in terms of maximizing early down efficiency in those types of plays. However, situationally, this is certainly one of those games and there have been more of these in the, in the past that they haven't done done so. And this is certainly one of those games where early down rush success is going to be really, really important, not only to um, sort of help counter what the Bengals front can do, um, in the passing game in terms of their, their pass rush, but also to, again, like I said, pull those safeties back in closer, pull the coverage players back in closer, get them out of, of, of putting eight in coverage, uh, which they so hassled the chiefs with and, um, and make them more one-dimensional on defense, which you can do that by establishing the run early. And I, and honestly, I would say, I'd be really surprised if we saw a lot, a lot, if any Daryl Henderson, he might be active, but I'd be surprised if you saw a lot of him because Cam Akers is, um, he just, I expect him to be, to be fully ready to go or as fully ready to go as anybody could be this time of year. Um, and I expect the Rams to do a lot of the similar things. They maybe tried against the 49ers with their run game, adding some of that nuance between Cam and Sony Michelle. Um, and then also, um, you know, doing that against, uh, against this front early will then sort of maybe dictate what you can do in the passing game. Honestly, the Rams should try to pick their spots a little bit like how the 49ers played them earlier in the season where they, they asked Jimmy Garoppolo to, uh, to make passing plays that needed to be made, but they were so efficient in selecting their spots. You've seen the Rams do this with Matthew Stafford. Again, I bring back the Cardinals game. I thought that was a great example right. of maybe how this game, how the Rams play this game is you do see Matthew Stafford being super efficient in where he can pick his spots 
being really explosive. This is obviously the difference between what he's right. able to do versus what the 49ers uh, passing offense is able to do being, he can be really explosive using some of those concepts, um, not just on third down, obviously, but mixing in those spots and, and being really explosive and, and picking those moments and, and, and being and maximizing sort of that efficiency and that play selection in the passing game. And I, and I thought that Cardinals game was, like I said, a great example of what it looks like when your run game forces a defense to be super one-dimensional. Cause again, the Cardinals are one of the teams that tried to play drop eight against yeah, them. Yeah. And the, the Rams with, you know, with cam had a, a much better running game and, and they were able to sort of establish that part and, and, and sort of suffocate that extra dimensionality, that extra multiplicity. And then Matthew Stafford was able to go to work in the passing game. And that changes everything. Um, you know, I, I am a, a fully aware of, how the passing game has evolved and advanced in this league and how um, teams are so uh, are, are, are maximizing sort of those play efficiencies. Um, but at the same time, situationally, this is, this is what happens you saw the chiefs who are, are a pass heavy on early downs team. They didn't adjust. They didn't run the ball and they didn't pull those safeties back in. They didn't pull the extra defender back down toward the line of scrimmage. And it was, it was a mess. It's so hard to see downfield against that coverage. You could have, you know, five Cooper cups running routes out there and getting open. It's still very hard to see because the safeties make things so muddy. And these Bengals, they have two of the best safeties in the league, in my opinion. And I think that, that this will be, I mean, it seems it's not going to be simple, but it seems straightforward in that regard, you know, from plan to execution of, of what needs to happen and what the important keys are for the game for these Rams. Yeah, it, it seems like the Chiefs got a little stuck in that. We we know who we are, we know what we do, and we're just going to beat you with what we do. And and that's how they've had so much success, and they are very hard to stop. But um, I, I think you're right. When when you have a team that can uh, take away some of your strengths, or you, you have to be able to adjust. And and certainly that uh, you know some of those strengths are the Rams' strengths. Also, they are very good at moving the ball down the field. But um, I think that Arizona game is a really good model. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure the Bengals will be looking at that Rams Cardinals game as well. They have access to that tape, too. So they're they're going to be seeing how, how the Rams attack that and and what that balance needs to be. But um, but yeah, I think it's a good matchup. I think people who are saying, oh, the Rams are going to run away with this. I, I think that's a little unrealistic. I think uh, the Bengals are very well coached. They have a lot of talent. They've shown great resilience uh, for, for a fairly young team. I expect it to be close. I expect it to be a good game. Game. turnovers as always will be the big thing here special teams could be a big thing um but special I'm really teams. special team we got to get the the uh the the graphic that uh, Seattle Rams created that, that's so popular oh yeah but, that was so good that's yes, like my yes, favorite yeah yes um but Jordan really exciting stuff um looking forward so much to the rest of this week and all that you're going to be bringing us at the athletic along with all of our great colleagues. Again, follow along with Jordan at Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter. She'll be giving all the updates that she gets. It's unfortunate that you have to rely on the pool reporters, but that's just the way it goes. It's just the logistics of the thing. Um, but you're not going to get any better insight than what you get from Jordan. So please follow along. And if you're not already, subscriber to the athletic first of all you're making a big mistake and i'm not judging you i'm just saying you're making a mistake and I'm you judging have the you a little bit <laughs> 
But you have the opportunity to rectify that right now by going to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. You can sign up, get all of our coverage of the Super Bowl, and you can make Jordan happy because you will get her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount, you guys. My favorite thing in the entire world, a great discount. Anytime you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, and we see the numbers, and we know that a lot of you do, which we love, um, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount every single time. Um, you guys stay tuned this week. We will have more content coming from you or for you, not from you. Well, from you actually, cause we'll put you up on stage there too, you go. for some of these live rooms. Um, but we'll have a, a bunch more content coming for you. Um, we're, we're sort of flooding the zone here, uh, at, for the athletic, uh, to cover the Super Bowl. We've got, I think 18 people who are going to be on site this week, um, including myself to, to bring wow. you guys all sorts of coverage. And it's going to be a blast. I will be looking forward to, to sharing sights, sounds, uh, smells, hopefully not, hopefully not terrible ones <laughs> um, all through the week. And certainly going to be excited to cover this game on Sunday. I know it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and by this time next week on an episode of Love and Personnel, we will know who has won the Super Bowl. Um, so maybe we'll start the live room this week uh, with some breathing exercises. Hope you guys are all doing well, taking care of each other, uh, taking care of yourselves, staying safe, and we'll catch you next time. 